Super Talk Mississippi media production. Kickstart your adventure now with a new Gud Golf Cart from Country Carts of Brookhaven. Gud Golf Carts are assembled right here in Mississippi with the best features around. And best of all, they're street legal. Country Carts of Brookhaven, 401 Highway 51 South, phone 601-748-0454. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who have worked so hard to make coastal Mississippi such a great place to live work and play. Hey, we have a very special show today. I have a couple of things I just want to share leading up to it, but I came across a quote not long ago by the American uh, romantic novelist and short story writer, Nathaniel Hawthorne. You may remember the Scarlet Letter. There were others that he wrote as well. But he said this, time flies over us, but leaves its shadow behind. Time flies over us, but leaves its shadow behind. To me, that comment says a lot about legacy, uh, that time may fly by, that is for sure, and we may leave, but what we leave behind is what ultimately matters. Are, are we going to leave our mark? You know, one of the, I've talked about Roland Weeks often, my mentor at the Sun-Herald, and someone that, that has, just means a lot to me. Had a lot of mentors, but mentors throughout my career, but Roland probably was the most significant but he taught me well early in my career that we should always work hard to use our successes and our influences along the way to help build a better community. That if we don't do that, you know, we are not leaving the legacy we should leave, which is one that is selfless and focused on building a better community. So I, I had the real opportunity here on Coast View to talk to people every single day who are focused in that way. They're focused on, on uh, leaving a shadow behind, leaving their legacy. When I think back about it now, 37 years, that's 37 years in media before I retired in 2016. And then I've been on, uh, I've been on Super Talk now for three years. That's a long time. But you know what? It's interesting. I, I'm as passionate today as I ever have been about coastal Mississippi and telling the stories of the people who are working hard to leave their legacies. Someone uh, in media who rivals me in terms of the time frame is WLOX's Dave Elliott. Uh, he, he's, his face has been on the TVs of coastal Mississippi for around 38 years. We'll get the exact time frame here in just a second, but making him one of the most recognizable faces in coastal Mississippi. And he's learned a lot during his in those years about what it takes to make coastal Mississippi tech. I'm looking forward to sharing some of those stories here in just a second. But anyway, I'm really looking forward to this, um, to ha- spend some time with my old friend Dave Elliott. Good morning, Dave. How you doing, my friend? Hey, Ricky. So good to be with you. Thanks so much. It's good. It's good to see you. Look, uh, where are you sitting right now? Well, I'm in what we call Studio B. This is where we've moved our old set, portions of it. The rest of it's in a shed in the back, and we donated pieces to the Goodwill. But uh, you know, here I am, and uh, you see the Biloxi Lighthouse behind me. This was a familiar background on the set here at uh, WLOX, I think dating back to when we were Newswatch 13. <laughs> but uh, right over there on the other side is our brand new set. So, this so hey, what's people's here. reactions been? I, I have to be honest with you. I, I've, been, I've been slow to adapt the, to the new set. So what's, what's the reaction been? Well, the company spent a lot of money. That's a good thing. 
Uh, everybody at WLOX is excited about it, so that's a good thing. Uh, they're still working out how to best utilize it because the capabilities are incredible in terms of using video, using graphics, using all of the various tools at our, our disposal. So every day we're trying something different, and it's kind of a, an experiment which I personally find exciting. And it also reflects kind of a contemporary look. Uh, local TV news is going with this kind of look we're using right now, for better or worse. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm, uh, I I get that, too, that the uh, the capabilities to to change that set based on what the news of the moment is and uh, the way that you get your the the folks that are that are that are uh, you know, sharing the news with us can interact with it. I, I get that. So, Dave, as I think about your set, I think about when the Sun Herald used to be called the Sun and the Daily Herald. Of course, the Daily Herald went back many, many years. And uh, long after the Sun Herald was called, excuse me, the Daily Herald changed its name to the Sun Herald in the 1980s. Some people still call it the Daily Herald today. So change is not easy to to get across to coastal Mississippians. But, you know, progress is good. And that's kind of I think you've got to be changing to sort of adapt to the times. And, and that's what you guys are doing. Well, you know, you tell that story, Ricky, and I mentioned Newswatch 13. People still say that to me wherever I go. Uh, Newswatch 13 or uh, you know, channel 13, of course, channel numbers have become irrelevant, uh, nowadays. So we decided many years ago to go with WLOX kind of as our brand, because depending on how people are receiving us, uh, uh, you know, whether it's satellite or over the air or cable or whatever streaming, uh, you know, our constant brand is WLOX. But you're right. I still hear people say Daily Herald. I still hear people say Keesler Field. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I, I definitely do. Hey, listen, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna cover the waterfront today. You have seen a lot of change in coastal Mississippi since you came here in 1985. Spent a little time in radio before you went in the TV, but you but you uh, you're from um, Minneapolis. Um, you know, ha- t- tell me about about your time in Minneapolis. Well, I, it's kind of unusual. I grew up in Minneapolis. Uh, you know, people always say to me, uh, "Dave, you're from Minnesota. Uh, I've got an an uncle in Moose Lake." And I'm like, well, I have no idea where Moose Lake is. I mean, I, I, was, I was a Minneapolis kid, so I, I, I barely even know anything about St. Paul. So I grew up in suburban Minneapolis for a while. I lived in downtown Minneapolis, moved out to Southern California, however, and went to high school, but then came back and went to the University of Minnesota before uh, moving to uh, uh, Mississippi. But boy, do I have some memories, Ricky, of Minnesota. And you know, when you grow up in Minnesota, most of your memories are winter-oriented <laughs> Needless yeah. to say, uh, memories. But uh, uh, I love Minnesota still. My family's still up there. Well, you 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 know this. The Sun Herald used to be part of Knight Ritter. Knight Ritter owned the St. Paul Pioneer Press, and uh, and so during my career, and as part of my development, I actually spent some time in St. Paul. And uh, you know, I loved it. Um, it was uh, let's see, it was uh, in the spring. So it was a you know the, we were mostly out of the winter and at that particular time that I was up there was a very harsh winter I remember, um, but I got close to the outdoors uh, editor at the uh, at the newspaper and he took me 
uh, all over the place as it related to the, you know this. I th is it called the Land of a Thousand Lakes? Is that the, the way I remember 10, that? Ten thousand lakes. Really. Ten thousand lakes, and there are literally ten thousand plus lakes in that beautiful state. But when there's not snow on the ground, it's a beautiful place, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Uh, and those lakes, what's cool about it is they're in the downtown metropolitan areas. I mean, in Minneapolis, there are about five lakes and that have been developed. I mean, the downtown area, uh, residential, commercial, it's just beautiful. And, uh, you know, we think down here in Mississippi and over to the West and Louisiana that we're hunting and fishing capitals of America. No, go up to Minnesota, brother. They, 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 they're into some hunting and they're into some fishing. I wasn't. But uh, it's huge in that state. Yeah, I, I know. That, I know that it is. Hey, one of the things I did while I was in St. Paul, incidentally, I mentioned this on a show not too long ago, is uh, for people who don't understand, St. Paul literally borders Wisconsin, and I decided to drive into Wisconsin and and I wanted to see. First, of all, I wanted to see you know Wisconsin. But um, it was very clear to me, this is when Brett Favre was still with the Green Bay Packers, you know, you would find in these little small town grocery stores, these shrines for Brett Favre and, and how they worshiped Green Bay Packers. And that was, that was actually something to see, man. Did you ever have a chance to get up there and see that for yourself? Oh, of course. I, I, we used to go to Wisconsin all the time on family vacations and uh, things like that. Wisconsin's a beautiful state. But if you're going to break, I mean, the Packer-Viking rivalry, if you think the Saints, Atlanta, or uh, whatever other rivalries in sports, you can think of the old Lakers, Celtics, maybe. The Packer-Viking rivalry is unbelievable up there. So when Brent Favre spent that one year, because one year he didn't play, but the one year when he took him to the NFC Championship in Minnesota, uh, playing wearing purple up against the Cheeseheads, uh, <laughs> even twice that year, by the way. Uh, and it, it, it's, it was really an interesting time for me because I know Brett, so it, it was pretty cool. When you, uh, you, you went into, you came to, came to uh, Mississippi, you were in radio for a short period of time. At the time, did you ever imagine that you would be in front of a, a camera? Was that a goal of yours, or did that just kind of happen serendipitously? Uh, I really wasn't sure. I loved radio. I, uh, and uh, I spent my first four years, and it was in Jackson. I went out of college. I didn't even have a car. I took a train down to Jackson, Mississippi. Never had been to the South. So talk about culture shock. There I am in Jackson, Mississippi. It was very strange for me. But uh, I bounced around at a couple of radio stations, and uh do you you knew Jimmy Love, right? Oh yes, for sure. So a lot of people who may not know the Love family owned WLOX for many years. I was very close to Jimmy. Anyway, he owned a couple of radio stations up in Jackson, and I worked for one of them. And he was always Dave. I got to get you down to the coast. Dave, why don't you come on down to WLOX? And I was like, well, I don't know. I, I'm not sure that's going to happen. Uh, but then I went to, and we can talk more about it if you like, an audition for a new television show that was launching in Jackson called PM Magazine. And it, uh, there were about 50 candidates, whittled down to 10, whittled down to 5, whittled down to 2. And then I finally got the job, and that was at WJTV, the CBS affiliate up in Jackson. We'll pick it up from right there as we continue our conversation with my friend David, excuse, Dave Elliott. We know him as Dave Elliott. Uh, on the other side, we'll see you after this break. 
Survivor on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I'm really, really, I've been looking forward to this for quite a while to have a conversation with Dave Elliott because what he has seen uh, in terms of coastal Mississippi's history pretty much mirrors my career as well. So we sort of watch these things together. So many historical moments, and we'll we'll come back to that in just a second. But where we where, where we were before we went to break, he grew up in Minnesota. He mentioned that he went out to California for a short period of time, back to Minnesota, finished school at the University of Minnesota, then came to Jackson and radio. Went to a couple of different stations. Jimmy Love, who used to own WLOX, I encouraged him to come to the coast. He uh, he, he said, I wasn't you know I don't know if that was sort of part of your repertoire at the time, but you 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 applied for a job that. 50 candidates you got the job were you that changed your life didn't it david it really did uh ricky there's no doubt about that and this was a very cool show the show pm magazine that i auditioned for wjtv up there it aired at 6 30 monday through friday uh, melanie christopher was my co-host i think she might still be a news anchor up there at jtv i'm not sure anyway it was one of those two on the town kind of shows we had a you know the uh the man and the woman would be all over town doing stories and uh exploring what made the capital city and and central mississippi fantastic so that was my first real introduction to television and then i started anchoring up there a little bit their five o'clock newscast and then jimmy finally pushed hard enough for me to come down uh, to WLOX, and that was 1985. So you hit the ground here in coastal Mississippi in 1985, and you are still, you know, still going strong. I asked, uh, I asked Dave before we started, I said, how much longer are you going to go at this? What was your answer, Dave? I said, they'll have to carry me out on a stretcher, Ricky. <laughs> I'm going to be out there. Now, okay, you who, know knows? Yeah. who knows? I, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of cagey on that question. To yeah, I, I got it. I got yeah. it. Hey, listen, well, what I'm curious about, though, you get in, you know, your goals when you first get in the TV are one thing. But as you get, begin to gain some experience and understand the connection between what you do and your audience and the community and the opportunity to make a difference in the community, the opportunity to talk about the important issues that are in the community. You know, did you feel an evolution happen along the way in terms of what your goals are or the, or the, the mark that you wanted to make? You heard what I read at the, at, the, at the beginning that time flies by, but it's what you leave behind that matters. You leave your mark. Um, ha, tell me about that evolution for you. Well, I have to be honest with you. At that, I, I probably imagined I'd be here three or four years. And at that time, there was a lot of movement. And now we're kind of getting back to that, mostly with reporters and producers, not so much anchors. Anchors pretty much stay in markets for a pretty long time. But uh, I thought I'd be here four or five years and move to another market, maybe a Tampa or maybe a Denver or maybe a Phoenix or something like that. But then I had so much fun here. I fell in love with the area. I got married. I had a son, bought a house, wife started a business. Before you know, 10 years had passed. Uh, other things started happening. I was very excited in 92 when Dockside Gaming was approved here and it kind of changed the whole coast. And I got involved in a lot of things with the new 
gaming industry. And uh, that was exciting. Suddenly, 20 years had passed. And uh, but but I love this part of the country and I love the Mississippi coast. So uh, it's been, as you say, time flies, but I've enjoyed every millisecond of it. So, hey, tell me about your family day. Well, I I've been married to my wife for (laughs) 34 years. Uh, She's a Louisiana girl from Thibodeau, Lafouche Parish, down in the bayou. I have one son. He lives in New York. Uh, You know, went to Gulfport, Bioview Middle, Gulfport High School, went to Loyola and Loyola Law School. And now he's out in New York. So I have a one and only just one child. He's 32 right now. I have uh, I have three, and one of my youngest son, Justin, lives in New York as well. Works for Price Waterhouse in New York, and uh, he's a he's a big city kid. He'll he'll probably never come home. You shouldn't never say never, but you know what I mean. He's oh, my, he I don't think the, mine's gonna come home. He, he he loves the big city life. He loves what he's doing. That 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 is for sure. You know, it is true, man. We've seen so much history in our time together. And one of the things, you know, Rowling used to, you know, one of, and I'll get your reaction to this. One of the things Rowling used to say is that we've spent so much time in coastal Mississippi fighting amongst ourselves that Jackson really didn't have to pay much attention to us, that, you know, we sort of nullified each other's voices. And over time, the accumulation of lack of really proper attention really weighed heavily on coastal Mississippi. I think that, you know, there were efforts along the way to help sort of bridge that and get better at it. We had certain leaders that, that emerged and other leaders that emerged that worked to bring us together. And you saw political officials begin to, to see us coming together. Uh, Katrina, for sure, brought us together in ways we could have never imagined. And, you know, lots lots of regional conversations began to sort of roll out of that. But and it's a complex place we live in, isn't it? I talk about what it takes to make this place tick. A lot of elected officials, three county seats, lots of municipalities to come together to form this powerful region that we know as coastal Mississippi. But you spent a career, you know, delving into the complexity of coastal Mississippi. What's your, what's your, you know, how do you talk about it? Well, I mean, we could spend a lot of time on that dynamic you briefly referred to about Jackson. You can even go beyond Jackson into the Tupelo area and other parts of the state, uh, the Golden Triangle up there, where the coast has always had to kind of kind of fight for for everything, even though down here we all know we're really the the uh, the economic engine that drives this state. I believe even though Jackson and the Mississippi Delta, they have their own uh, claims when it comes to culture and history, all justifiable. But when you look at this coast and you look at this tapestry down here, we have the New Orleans influence over in Hancock County. Uh, there are, that a lot of people don't like to talk about it, kind of basic religious differences between the coast and Jackson, which also are part of that history and that culture. But, you know, Ricky, I'm a, I didn't grow up here, so I really don't have a dog in the fight. I'm a big fan of kind of consolidation down here. You know, we have these, what, 12 cities, you know, three counties, uh, all of these police departments, fire departments, school superintendents. Sometimes I think we should be three big cities down here instead of what we see now. But whenever you make that argument, boy, that will people get the, the, the hairs will stand up uh, and, and they'll fight that. Concept. Well, you remember a good example of that, actually, is after Katrina, the Stennis Institute was doing a study 
on the, on what it would look like if you were to bring Waveland and Bay St. Louis together. And if my memory serves me correct, we only got like six months into that study and they just stopped because, you know, as challenged as those two cities were, and I say this all the time on my show, we came to appreciate that buildings don't make a community. I mean, that's, we know that to our core in coastal Mississippi, that the people do. And the sense of place that people are attached to, this love they have for their communities, um, I, I just think it's almost an – well, it is an insurmountable battle to have consolidation in the way that you talk about it. But I agree. I mean, it, it seems to me that there would be tremendous opportunities from us across across the spectrum, from economic development to you name it. Uh, the economy is the scale that we could we could enjoy would be really incredible. But you know, any any talk of that gets gets smushed pretty quickly, and it's just yeah. I guess it's part of our culture. Yeah. Well, people are rather provincial. When it comes to, you know, I mean, just look at Orange Orange Grove. Okay, it's yeah. Gulfport, but it's still Orange Grove, you know. It's uh, Wool Market. It's technically kind of after annexation, sort of a luxie, but it's still the Wool Market community. But I think you could do it and still preserve a Long Beach and a Gaucher and places like that, even though Pascagoula, Moss Point, Ocean Springs might be one community. Uh, you're never going to get Biloxi and Gulfport to become one community. I don't need to tell you <laughs> that, Ricky. But if you were to go Long Beach and pass Christiane, maybe as a community, and then as you talked about, Bay Waveland. Yeah. So, you know, I think there are opportunities, but it's just easier said than done, and there's there's so much resistance there. Chavis Wetman from People's Bank and I had a, a terrific conversation here on Kosio about his history and the history of his bank and his leadership. And as he reflected, by the way, on this point you just made about Gutport and Biloxi, what he said was you get to DeBee's Road and you're on the Biloxi side and you and what you saw was this huge wall, you know. And then when you're on the Gutport side and you look back toward Black, you saw this huge wall. And, you know, you literally didn't see the huge wall, but it was definitely there. You know, I would say that Katrina, though, Katrina changed everything for for these kind of conversations. You know, whereas consolidation, as you and I are talking about it, should be something we think about in the future in a way that preserves the culture and beauty and sense of place in each of the communities. The reality is that coast of Mississippi as a, as a region with, uh, with Chevron and Ingalls on one side as a bookend and Stennis Space Center on the other side with all those blue chip industries that are part of that, that's what defines this community. And as a region, we have to have it together as we go forward in order to continue to get the resources we need from Jackson and from Washington to, to make this place successful. I'll get your reaction to that on the other side, but we're having a conversation with WLOX's Dave Elliott, and um, we'll continue the conversation after this break. We'll see you after this. Subscribe for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I have my friend Dave Elliott with us today, and we're just sharing some war stories. And he mentioned to me during the break that people are coming in to the studio on the other side of the studio where he's sitting now and getting king cake. And you mentioned that Paul's king cake... 
Paul's Pastry. You actually did a, a story about them a long time ago. Tell me about that. Well, I did. when I first moved here, it was probably about 25, 30 years ago, went up to Picayune. They're in this little tin shed with about three employees, and they're basically providing king cake for uh, Pearl River County and Hancock County. And then I went up about five years later, and they had built an addition to it, and they're sending king cakes to the coast and maybe sending a few up to Jackson. Went back there about 10 years later, and they're shipping king cakes all over the world. I mean, it's one of the most uh, compelling kind of success stories. There are so many. But uh, Paul's Pastry has just been an incredible success story. Yeah, here is a, here is a Paul's King Cake that my wife yeah. sent to my son in New York City. And uh, yeah, it is a great success story. There's no doubt about it. Hey, listen, but when, before we went to break, we were just talking about how important it is for this region to come together. Um, I, you know, I think we get more attention today. I, you know, if you look back at Haley Barber's effort to work with the private and public sector after Hurricane Katrina to help us get ourselves out of the mess that we were in, we we got we we got more focused on how important coastal Mississippi uh, was. We made a lot of progress, and I think it's much different than the way it was prior to Katrina. Is it, but is that your read? Uh well, you know, there's this one coast movement, and and the, as you said, the branding of tourism has become coastal uh, Mississippi. Uh, I don't know. There are a lot of things I could say and get in trouble uh, saying. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with that Biloxi Gulfport dynamic we alluded to. But, uh, yeah, I get a feeling, you know, that we're in a very good place in terms of uh, cooperation, collaboration, and uh, all of these other things. Well, good. I, you know, you know, it's interesting because always you can lift up the covers and see conflict and alternative motives and that's kind of the nature of, of politics you know i've been pleased though that fofo gillich and and billy uh, hughes have uh, often gotten together e e during COVID. in fact they had these regular conference calls between all the mayors to share with one another what they were doing to respond to it those are all really positive signs and certainly they're very competitive as we see so much development happening in downtown biloxi now and we see you know mixed use becoming the future of, of uh, downtown Gulfport. certainly they're going to be competitive for for those uh, big developers that are that are spending you know millions and millions of dollars to help kind of transform coastal Mississippi so we can address the the challenges of the new economy. I think we've made a lot of progress, but you know what? We got to constantly stay focused on it because the day you think we've we've uh, moved the ball forward, there's always someone back there working behind the scenes to to get in the way and um, and what what I what I refer to as protect the status quo. There's a lot of folks that would like to keep the status quo the way that it is. And you see that too, don't you? Well, I mean, the Gulf Coast isn't alone in that. Right? You go anywhere in the country uh, or even anywhere in the world probably, and you're going to see that because folks are territorial by nature. Uh, as I said earlier, provincial uh, by nature. Uh, you know, I'm one of these guys, I'm a little more cynical than you are. I don't know if you know that. So yeah. when you talk about all these millions and millions of dollars and mixed use and all these things happening, I'm always one of the guys with every project that's pitched and proposed and uh, there's a groundbreaking and a press conference. I always kind of go say to myself, yeah, well, I'll uh, believe it when I see it. <laughs> and I've been wrong on a lot of them. 
because they did come to fruition. But there are still a lot of them out there that, you know, are never going to see the light of day. I, I do think, and you're right about that. I've always been a little bit cynical too. I want to see, I want to see a shovel in the dirt. But you see what the what the Nico brothers are doing. Uh, you see what uh, you know Ivan Spinner's doing in downtown Biloxi now, really all over the coast. You see, you see the transformation of the Barks Building in, in downtown Biloxi, and then you go over to Pasca, I mean, excuse me, over to uh, Pascagoula and. I mean, tremendous amounts of money being spent over there on just so many different projects, just transforming that downtown. I think the good news is the rubber is really beginning to hit the road. But, Dave, here's what I want to ask you. If you look back, okay, you came in 1985. Again, you saw you saw a difficult time in coastal Mississippi's history as it relates to the oil industry and how it impacted us. A, a great reminder that we were just before casinos. We were just a, a summer uh, kind of a vacation place. And the, the downtown was downtown was really downtown, and then we saw the advent of, of casinos and how that really transformed this community to more of a 365 day a year tourist destination. Um, but you know, you've seen so much of that history. Of course, Katrina and other storms that threatened us. When you look back, what is it that what what's the one moment that that, that changed your life? Well, uh, you mean is relative to South Mississippi, not yes. personally. Yes. Well, I mean, I, I, we we've talked about two of the most. You know, if anything's going to be characterized as cha- life changing or transformational, you have to go with Dockside Gaming in '92, and yet obviously you mentioned Katrina in 2005. Uh, for better or worse, sometimes it takes, in Katrina's case, something as traumatic as that to get everybody focused, to get everybody on the same page, to get everybody after, uh, you know, uh, chasing that same goal that really we all want for this area that we love so much. Uh, So I would think those are really the the biggest things in my time in South Mississippi that have contributed to the evolution of the coast, as you will. Hey, I had a, I had a, um, Real opportunity to attend the Northwestern University Media Management Center. Uh, it's a management program that goes over a year period. Had seven countries represented. Uh, uh, even Christiana Shimora from Nicaragua was in our class from the Shimora regime. And uh, it was an amazing opportunity to really understand media around the world. But on the on the final day when we all graduated from this program, Robert J. Danzig, who was at the time the chairman of the board for the San Francisco Chronicle newspaper, and he gave this speech. And in the speech, he said something that I say all the time. He said, there is a powerful lubrication to change that comes from pain. And the point that he was making, sometimes it's severe like Katrina. Sometimes it's it's there, but you don't see it, and you should see it, because if you saw it, you'd be adapting and changing, and the whole point was that we live in a constant state of change, but boy, the pain that that, that Katrina created did create a powerful lubrication to change in coastal Mississippi in ways that we could have never imagined, and as a reporter, did you find yourself at times thinking, man, how in the heck are we ever going to get out of this? Oh. Come on. You were right across the street. I mean, uh, there was razor wire on the railroad tracks. I don't think people ever realize how close we actually came to martial law 
uh, being declared, and it even may have been, and it might be a closely guarded secret. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I wondered my son, you know, the Gulfport School District. I had a place over in Destin, a house over in Destin. I actually enrolled my son at Niceville High School. I don't know if you know where Niceville is, right across yes, the bay from yeah. Destin. And because I didn't think the schools were going to be up and running. He was in high school at the time. Glenn East told me, no, Dave, we're going to get this thing going. We're committed to getting this thing going. By the end of the year, uh, the, you know, the Gulfport School District was piecing together, uh, you know, some some kind of way of running the school. So, you know, he came back in the schools. But, I, you know, I was uh, I actually thought about moving during that time. A lot of people did. I mean, a lot of people did. And what's interesting, what I often said about the role that we played at the Sun-Herald and what you guys played at WLOX was in helping to provide the information that people needed to make the decision, like you just talked about, you know, whether they're going to stay or whether they're going to go. One of the things that Haley Barber often said, and you've heard him say this many times, that we had to the, – the, the key to getting people to stay was they had to have a job. They had to have a home to live in. And they had to have a school for their kids to go to. If we could do that as quickly as possible, forget about all the other stuff. That stuff's going to come. But the other stuff won't come if people make the decision to leave. But the role that you were playing to provide that information to people so that they could really understand these complex decisions they had to make, that's the time when being in media really shined, wasn't it? I think so. And and I and. If awards mean anything, they don't mean as much to me as they do to others. Uh, we've received awards. You over at the Sun Herald, you received awards. Uh, so uh, I mean, it was a a yeoman uh, task uh, to actually cover that. But you know, Ricky, it's kind of a blur to me, isn't it? To you, I mean, sometimes it seems like Katrina was yesterday, and sometimes it seems like it was. 50 years ago, I, you know, I barely remember it. Time went so fast. I was in here at the TV station working 12 hours a day. But at the same time, I had two homes. Uh, one I lost. The other one was a rental house that I'm running back and forth, trying to fix, trying to deal with, uh, doing the insurance uh, uh, dance that everybody was doing. So, uh, I mean, it was really something. But, you know, I think everybody should be proud about how we came out. Yeah, boy, should we. Boy, should we. This is WLOX's Dave Elliott. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation. We'll see you after this. to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say Alexa. Open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I have my friend Dave Elliott from WLOX with us, and we're just kind of reliving some of our history here in Coastal Mississippi. 
you know, if I think about it, you know, I'll go back to the the four o'clock show and the five o'clock show and all these shows that you co-hosted along the way. It seemed like, it, in my memory, what I see is Dave Elliott and Karen Abernathy. I mean, just just seared in my brain. Uh, is it seared in your brain? Oh, of course. Karen and I are very close. Uh, we're we're almost like a married couple. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of a lot of you know. Uh, fight, not re- not really arguing, but a lot of tense moments and a lot of happy moments. But we actually went into the uh, Mississippi Broadcasters Hall of Fame together. I think this was about five years ago as the longest serving uh, anchor team in Mississippi or something. But, uh, you know, this might be the last year for both Karen and I. So we'll yeah. have to see uh, see what happens. Well, yeah, she's terrific. I got to know her pretty well. My uh, one of her sons and my son played soccer together, and so we we got to know each other during that period of time. And I, I enjoyed getting to know Karen, and I know her to to be passionate about what she's doing and to have a, a big heart. And you know, this uh, gosh, man, the two of you together has really seen so much, so much. Uh, change and so much goodness in coastal Mississippi. Dave, one of the interesting things about your career, and certainly was it f- as, f- as it relates to mine as well, that later in our career is really defined a lot about um, the digital revolution that's happening in our industries so much, the multimedia aspect of what we do, um, the, the rise of social media. I talk about it here on the show all the time. And um, how I believe that uh, changes need to be made in social media, that is for sure. But um, but you've seen some big-time change, haven't you? I have. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm old-fashioned. You know, to me, I'm still, I still believe television is king. To me, I take it more seriously. I, I think there's too much pressure on local news departments to try to keep up with what's happening on Facebook, what's happening on Twitter, what's happening on Instagram, what's happening on TikTok. The dot-com side of the business has put a lot of pressure on, on, on local television stations and staff to rev- provide content. I mean, the demand for content. We have this, you know, Ricky, I'll just say a quick story. When I first started here, we had a five, a six, and a ten. Now we have Two and a half hours in the morning. We have an 11 o'clock show. We have a 4 o'clock show. We have a 6.30 show. Uh, and we have the same number of people. <laughs> we don't have any more people. And you've had the evolution of multimedia during that time as well. So yeah, uh, the, the, the stress of, of, of social and, and how that's really a, a delivery mechanism for uh, TV stations like WLOX today. Yeah, you, know, you spend some time on on uh, on social media. You you're, you're not shy about saying your position about various things. It's not something you do every day, but it's something you do from time to time. Um, you know, do you do you know? Did you just decide I'm gonna I'm just gonna share my point of view? Some some reporters won't do that. So what what's your position on social media? Well, I have two pages. I have my WLOX page. I have to tread carefully. I, <laughs> I mean, uh, I've even been warned to tread yeah. carefully. So I, I, I'm very careful on that one. But on my personal page, because I like to think I'm a, a citizen, a person first, and a journalist uh, right after that, 
so my personal page, I have a tendency to be a little more outspoken. You might see a little more without giving away too much of where I see the world, where I see politics and that sort of thing. But I'm very careful on my WLOX page, Ricky. I, I have to be. Yeah, I get I get that. What, what's what's interesting is that to me it sort of humanizes you. And one of the things that I've learned in sharing my point of view, which I will do as well on uh, my personal page or on my Coast View page, and that is it gives me an opportunity to sort of feel the pulse of the community. I, I, it gives me a chance to see where are the hot spots. You know, what are people going to react to? What's their opinion? Am I in the right place? I want to hear what their point of view is about that. I'm willing to change my point of view. In fact. But it's just I enjoy getting the feedback because as a publisher for so many years, you know, you thrived on feedback. You you wanted when you laid a, an editorial out there, you wanted to get a reaction to it, what, you know, one way or the other. And it helped you sort of sharpen your sharpen your pencil a little bit more in the future. Do you, do you look at it kind of the same way? I do. But, you know, there's I have kind of a rule that I unfortunately break sometimes. I try not to go back into one of my posts and engage with people. But every once in a while, something will make me mad, <laughs> make me a little mad, or someone just totally misses the point. And I feel yeah. I'm not combative in any way. But I'll make maybe a little light reference to, to them. But uh, when, you know, I try not to go back in to the thread of one of my uh, Facebook posts because I don't see it as a chat room. I, yeah, I see I, it as, as a, here's my opinion. What do you think? Let the people within that post go at one another, if you will. Yeah, what I, what I often said to people who worked with me, that when other people are willing to fight your battle for you, let them. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's exactly what you're saying. But, Dave Elliott, we could have gone for another two hours. It's, uh, there's so much to talk about. But I really enjoyed visiting with you today, my friend. Thank you, Ricky. Good to see you, man. It's, it's good to see you, too. This has been Dave Elliott from WLOX. And, uh, again, I've really enjoyed you know, catching up with him because our career is sort of right there together for all those years. But it's been, it's been wonderful. I really enjoyed today's show. Have a great day, and we will see you tomorrow. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.